Vegas for work. Randy Wayhill for joining us. Emery Songer in for Kent today. So you had plenty of work trips, Randy Wayhofer, from the <laughs> Iowa Cubs. Some to Vegas. Yes, yes, some to Vegas. What was your favorite, though? What was the one when you got the calendar out, you got the schedule from the Pacific Coast League, and you looked at it and said, this is going to be the best trip of the year? Oh, uh, I, did, I did them so many times that um, – I'm not sure that I had one designated favorite that I circled. It was more time of year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where was it going to be? 110 degrees. Where where, <laughs> where was it going to be decent? I was like going to Memphis. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they built that ballpark thinking they could attract Major League Baseball at one time. So it was a big league ah. booth with a producer deck up top and mm-hmm. big counters and big windows and uh, downtown so you could walk to the ballpark. Uh, Oklahoma City is a good trip. If they had better windows in the press box, I would say they were <laughs> – they were up on the list. Uh, it's not many many professions where windows are one of the most important factors. Yeah, they put small windows like in your house, so you sit in front of one. But if there was a ball into the corner, you had to turn and go uh-huh, to the other side uh-huh, of the, uh, uh-huh. the windowsill to see where the where the ball went. And if the guy made the play, I didn't want to work that hard to, to watch the game and call the game. Round Rock was always a, a good trip. Albuquerque. Uh, was always a good trip. A lot of it was based on you know where they put you to stay as much as the ballpark sure. and, and other things. You know, I I was never one of these high roller broadcasters in the league that had a <laughs> rent a car or anything like that. I wherever my feet could take me is where I had lunch sure. and, and and what I did for uh, any non baseball entertainment. So uh, there's lots of good cities in the Pacific Coast League, and uh, you know some were a little bit tougher than others, but uh, for the most part, it's a really good league. So uh, have you had the chance to hit the Big Easy? Go down yes. to New Orleans because uh, that's not going to be part of the part of the deal anymore, right? Like, no, yeah, they're moving to Wichita. Uh, you know, that was never one of my favorites. Uh, typically, we stayed out toward the airport, so you mm-hmm. weren't. You know, we stayed in the French Quarter a couple of times, but by yourself, it felt a little dangerous. So I wasn't out there to <laughs> really enjoy it. Um, uh, you know, they had some of the best AC in the visiting radio booth in the league, so I always knew I'd be comfortable Listen even when it was hot. <laughs> Listen to the checklist. Yeah. Got, you know, your priorities change uh, <laughs> after you've been in the league a couple of years uh, about, about what's most important to you. AC, Windows, yes. learning very quickly. <laughs> How good are the game notes? Uh, the stat packs collating correctly. <laughs> yeah, yep. A lot of that can uh, change my opinion of your city in a hurry. Now, all those things, you're, you're speaking right my language right there. Well, you know, uh, all politics are local, as they say, <laughs> and th- th- those are my issues that, uh, uh, that I'm running on. You know, and really... Uh, when you get into the course of the season, uh, you know, especially when I was most of the time I was traveling, I was always also doing media relations and, and other things. So, um, you know, I had work to do during the day. The game was in the evening. You don't really get to experience much of these cities uh, no matter what when you're there. So uh, and then when you go back 10, 11, 12 times or the places you go twice a year, uh, you know, you, you've seen those things and done those things, and, and then you're less of a tourist. So with that, Randy, you have the other side. You said New Orleans wasn't great, depending on where you stayed. What, what What's the worst? Or is there a worst? Is there one where you look, oh, boy, here we go. Um, you know, Las Vegas built their new ballpark, and I hear that's going to be a game changer. They they had a – that was a terrible place to work. Uh, Just so hot? Hot open air press box. They had to tear down the equipment every day. It was just a canopy. 
behind home plate. No so way. if it was windy or dusty. A can- Las Vegas? Yeah. A canopy? Uh, yeah, Cashman Field uh, is no secret. They've known for a long time. That's yeah. why they've been trying to build a new ballpark mm-hmm. for a long time and finally got it done and, and good for them, and they're doing great, and they're killing it out in Summerlin, and, and, and that's great for the league and, yeah. and great for them. But, yeah, Cashman Field was not a great place to, to work. Um, Colorado Springs, they had one light bulb, so when it got dark, it was hard to see uh, in, in the booth. It wasn't a very, it wasn't very big. Uh, Reno's got a beautiful ballpark. They neglected the broadcast booths. So you're on the concourse, and for some reason, they decided to put the switches for the concourse lights in the visiting radio booths. So every other inning, somebody would come in, and the door would slam behind you, and somebody turn on or turn off some lights that they didn't need, and they'd leave. And wow, uh, you know, so there's some interesting things going on. Those were kind of the uh, Tacoma put their broadcast booth down the third baseline, and they plastered their walls. So a uh, ball hit the left field. You had to stick your head out the window or hope the cameraman got it on the television in, in order to do play-by-play. There's nuances of things that weren't my favorite. Uh, the people, for the most part, in the league are pretty good. So, you, Sorry. Go ahead. But you, you talk about the people. You have to te- – like, you get, obviously are very biased about what you see every day here at Principal Park. In the morning we were talking about this as being just a, a real gem of a ballpark for, for the Pacific Coast League and minor league baseball in general. What have you heard from other people in the league that this is their once or twice a year road trip? What do they think about just the setting, the field in Des Moines? Uh, yeah, selfishly speaking, we get a lot of positive feedback. Uh, you know, being downtown uh, and there's a vibrant downtown here, uh, there's there's a little buzz to the air if you're here visiting during the work week. The farmer's market on the weekend gives you a little bit of diversion. Uh, you know, you can walk everywhere here. Uh, our press box is great. There's great sight lines everywhere, the view of the Capitol, and, and it's, a, it's a great perch from – from up top, uh, I like to think we've always done a really good job media relations-wise. Shelby's awesome uh, in the things that she takes care of. So you know when you come here, you're going to have the tools you need to uh, to do a good broadcast. And the broadcasters are the only ones that travel with the team. You know, Very rarely do other front office people get a look firsthand at what everybody else's operation is like. So, uh, you know, we... Uh, when you know what those priorities are and, and you meet them uh, and have a chance to influence that, for the most part, we get pretty good reviews here. So, Randy, this week you guys are home for the rest of the week, all the way through Friday, today, day baseball, and then 7.08 for the rest of the week. So what's on tap? What's uh, You guys always have so many great promotions going on. What's the ones you're looking forward to this week? One already caught my eye tomorrow, Dollar Hot Dog Night. <laughs> Emery is very hungry over there. Yeah, he, he didn't like me saying that, but Dollar Dog Night tomorrow night and a lot of other great promotions. Yeah, Dollar Hot Dogs tonight, that's always a popular one. Uh, Wednesday is Kids Night, uh, where kids' general admission tickets, 12 and under, are free, and adult GA tickets are only $5. And we have the uh, princesses here. We'll have Snow White and Beauty and the uh, Ice Princesses here uh, for pictures and uh, mingling, and that's always been very popular the last couple of years. We try to incorporate those kinds of activities into the Kids' Night promotions Next month when we have Kids Night, it's the same ticket special, uh, and we've contracted with Marvel to bring in authentic, official super, uh, Spider-Man and Black Panther characters to wow. be here. Um, so that'll be really neat. Yeah, uh, That'll be right after the new Spider-Man movie hits in theaters, too, so I, I'm sure that'll be top of mind for a lot of young superhero fans. Uh, so that's coming up next month, but this this week is the princesses. Thursday, we got our Mud Club Night and live music in the concourse, and uh, we've got... Uh, some uh, specials that have gone out uh, in our, our email newsletter subscribers uh, have some special ticket offers in their inbox. You can sign up for that at iowacubs.com. And then we'll 
kick it off with a or uh, blow it out with a fireworks Friday mm-hmm. uh, again on on Friday night. We got a lot of tickets out for Friday, but still some good ones available. So it should be a four good four game series when Omaha's in town as the Royals affiliate. That always uh, they're probably second behind Memphis and the Cardinals for uh, interest and in who the players are on the other team. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that has surprised me a little bit coming out of the press boxes. You know, when Albuquerque was in town, how many Rockies T-shirts and hats that yeah. I saw. And, you know, if you're a fan of a major league team, uh, that is important. Mm-hmm. You, you know who the prospects are and who the guys might help are. And, uh, you know, so that's fun. So, uh, And I know the Royals, there's a lot of good Royals fans around town. They like to come out and see the Storm Chasers. Yeah, and that's one interesting thing. I came for opening night uh, when the Baby Cakes were in town, and I think I saw the all six of the Marlins fans in the state of Iowa right along the bullpen line were there with uh, where the baby cakes were lined up. But I can tell you from from a person who's lived in Iowa his whole life and coming up here was always a treat even back then. You know, also one of the cool things was I remember when I was like 12 years old, he stopped toy was doing a, a rehab stint for like three games up here, and we had to come see Hesop Toy because my dad is a huge Cubs fan. Uh, you know, obviously have had multiple major leaguers been making their run through here, and, and most recently Craig Kimbrell is uh, working his way back to the major leagues. So for, our, for you, you know, especially from the business side of things, you know, I know that you have no control over who the Cubs are sending you, but uh, how – different is the vibe not only in the building but also business-wise when you have guys like Kimbrell, Addison Russell, Chris Bryant here even if it is for a short time. Yeah when those kinds of names you know there's kind of a varying degree of of impact. Uh, Kimbrell's still here he was just out doing some running and and I think he's going to pitch again tomorrow is what I heard the the plan was you know weather permitting and all those kinds of asterisks put on there but he is still here for the time being and I think we'll uh, see him at least one more time. Uh, I don't know that we've seen the same impact for Kimbrel. Um, I don't know that Cub fans know him yet. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, you know because he's not really here on rehab. He's he's getting into shape from signing this new free agent contract. I I, I think it's a little bit different. Um, you know the days when Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor made their annual uh, rehab <laughs> visits to <laughs> the Principal Park. It, it was a much bigger thing. Obviously, when Chris Bryant and Kyle Schwarber were here. Uh, you know that's a big deal. I think there was some interest in seeing Ian Happ uh, early in the season, and now that he has still remained here, uh, I don't know that you know that we're back to promotions and the weather and all those kinds of things to uh, to get a look at him. But there's definitely a buzz when he and Taylor Davis and these guys who people recognize from seeing on TV come into the game. Even for Tim Collins, who's back, and Dylan Maples, and the guys in the bullpen that that rotate through. Uh, you know the Cubs brand is. Uh, a big part of what uh, the foundation that this has been built on over uh, the you know two thirds of the fifty years that that the the team has been here, um, you know. But when Memphis comes, the Cardinal fans come out, and that's probably the biggest one uh, as it goes through. So there there is a varying impact. Um, you know, sometimes we're going to be busy on a Friday night in June, no matter who, no matter who was here. So it's hard to measure how much you know. Maybe Kimbrel had a bigger impact than I give him credit for because we knew. 
uh, on Unity Point Night on Friday, we were going to be pretty busy if I was pitching, let alone if Craig Kimbrough was pitching. So <laughs> that would have been uh, just as entertaining. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, for in small circles, that might, the, the entertainment factor would be for different reasons, uh, different reasons entirely. But uh, it is special, and that's that's part of what makes minor league baseball special uh, is the relationship with Major League Baseball. It's it's different than having the independent teams in St. Paul or uh, some of the different places that. That relationship with Major League Baseball is an important part of, of who we are and, and what we do. 12-08 with the first pitch today here at Principal Park for the Iowa Cubs. They're at home through Friday. Randy Wayho for joining us right now, the VP and assistant GM. Did I get the title right? Yeah. For the Iowa Cubs. All right, Randy. Big scale baseball. Okay. There was a proposal last week with the Tampa Bay Rays to have a split season Half in Tampa, half in Montreal, maybe not 41-41, but close to it. It seemed like very quickly it was shot down. It was something that would be in the works years down the line. There are a couple of billionaires in Montreal that want to bring baseball back, and this is maybe the easiest way to to get that started. Tampa, for decades now, has been trying to get out of that godforsaken place that they play baseball in, and alas, hasn't happened. Public money has not been uh, able to be generated to make that happen. A split like that, is that... Any way possible? Could you see something like that working for long term, not for a couple of years? And we saw Montreal when they were still in Montreal play what twenty two games in San Juan that one season. But talking for eight, ten, twelve years, is it feasible? Is it financially feasible? Maybe for each of the cities too. I don't think so. Um, I think one of the uh, you can discuss which is better or worse, but certainly a point of difference between baseball and football, or even basketball is baseball is still a regional game. Mm-hmm. People are tied to their team. Uh, baseball is the only sport that has lucrative local and regional television and radio contracts. You know, Everything in the NFL and the NBA is nationally based. Part of that is gambling. Part of that is uh, fantasy sports. Uh, the once-a-week nature of football makes it a little bit easier to carve out that time as opposed to the everyday nature of baseball. Uh, we can, you know... Uh, I'm not worried about which one is better or worse. That's just the reality of the way it is. And I think for sports sports fans, it gives us different things to to latch on to. So I don't know how you make that work from a local TV, a local radio, a local season ticket, uh, fan base, all of those things. The way baseball is currently built is by building connective tissue to your local market. Um, And I don't know what purpose that serves. I, I think... I think that announcement probably had a lot to do with being a test balloon to see what's the reaction to baseball in Montreal as opposed to uh, and the viability of bringing that back and what kind of local reaction do they mm-hmm. get in Montreal as opposed to really, really wanting to split the season. There's this little thing called a lease in, in Tampa that <laughs> yes. uh, is pretty expensive and, and important. Uh-huh. Like another eight uh, years on that. Yes, yeah. 2027, um, I think it goes. Yeah, that guarantees them a certain amount of events in that stadium. And, uh, you know, those are important details. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but in general, in the big picture look, uh, those are all the reasons why I don't think it makes any sense, whether it was Tampa and Montreal or Oakland and Las Vegas or what, mm-hmm. whatever other scenario you would want to, to put through. I don't know how you build a good baseball product if you don't give the people in that market a chance to feel like that team belongs to them. Well, I, I guess my argument to that would be they've had 21 years in Tampa or St. Peter, wherever mm-hmm. they play, uh, and we knew that this stadium was – 
was a major league. They used it in the early '90s to try to lure the White Sox when yes, they were trying to, to get their new new ballpark, and that didn't work. So eventually, expansion is what helped them get a team, and they were completely uncompetitive. Like they weren't even kind of competitive for the first ten years that they were a thing. So when they became good, yeah, some people came to the playoff games to get like thirty five. 40,000 people when they got to the playoffs, but this is a good team now. They won 90 games last year, and they're second worst in attendance still to this day, and just down the road in Miami, they have a similar problem with competitive nature. They built the whole fancy stadium, and still nobody comes to the game. So I guess, hasn't Tampa Bay or St. Petersburg or whatever you want to call it, haven't they had a chance to kind of prove that they, you know, they don't support this team? They, they, or do you think that there were, they have been still shortchanged in some regard based on the location and the viability and just the overall atmosphere of that stadium? No, I think you're right, uh, and I think my previous comments have as much to do with Montreal as they do Tampa. Right. Uh, I don't know how you build anything in Montreal that you know has lasting power if you're only giving them an appetizer. Uh, if you're going to do it, go all in. Uh, and that's why I think it was a trial balloon for the billionaires in Montreal to see if they want to buy out the lease and the whole thing and, and make baseball a reality in Montreal. I don't think, you know, uh, I am, uh, my answer was not to advocate for Tampa Bay to keep their team. Uh, my answer was to uh, probably as much in mind say that Montreal doesn't deserve only half. If they're going to – I just don't think it's a viable option for the, the new option too. Um, so I, I – you're right. I, I, if baseball moved on from Tampa Bay, I, I wouldn't cry and, and would say you had ample opportunity to, to do that. It's not about keeping baseball in Tampa for me. It's about what's the best solution long term for baseball to not repeat what we've seen in Tampa Bay over the last few years. And, and I don't think a split serves that. If you had to be a handicapper here in, in 10 years, where's that franchise playing? Oh. Tamper the field. Yeah, I, yeah, Tampa or the field, realistically, yeah. Yeah, probably the field. You know, mm-hmm. whether you know, the, you know, there's things changing so quickly in Las Vegas. I don't know if that's the answer or not. There's certainly lots of logistical things with that being in our our market. You know, the people talk about that all the time. You know, Charlotte is a city that gets talked about <laughs> a lot. Uh, I, I think you have to look at what are the what are the cities that have viable major league sports outside of baseball and and you know is is, is nashville portland uh, portland always talked about you know, baseball was not good in portland uh when they were in triple a uh I, I don't know that that's a great baseball market but you look at you know between the titans and the predators and, and what mm-hmm. they've done and and the way that population has grown is is you know but uh, it's probably irresponsible of me in in some short term to sit here as a representative of the Iowa Cubs and, and be part of the Pacific Coast League and throw out names of cities in our league because it's really complicated uh, to get all of that done. But from a sports fan's perspective, I think you have to look at the cities that support other major league teams and how does that translate into baseball if you are going to uh, take the plunge as a uh, as a civic play you know as a, as a city as a county as a state and and build a facility and do all the things you need to do to attract major league baseball good stuff fun conversation today randy appreciate it yeah no problem always enjoy it randy wayhofer with the iowa cubs 1208 with the first pitch today home all week through friday after today's day game it'll be 708 with the first pitch tuesday through friday and a lot of great promotions you can find them all at iowacubs.com get your tickets there and today two for one tickets 
brought to you by Fairway, I believe. Yeah, bring a Fairway receipt, two for one at the ticket window. We get got, lots of those. It's a good deal. Got a little less than an hour before first pitch out here in the in left field at the Suites, a left center field getting ready for baseball today. We'll get a quick timeout coming back. We're talking Cyclones next. Dylan Montz from the Abe's Tribune. He'll join us as we continue. It's Miller and Condon on KF. In Hawaii. As we continue, 1460 KXNO, as we talk the world of sports. Emery Songer, he had to duck out here for a moment. He'll be back with us, though, after we finish our finish our conversation. Right now with Dylan Montz from the Ames Tribute. Okay, we're uh, still working on getting our man from the Ames Tribune, Dillamont set up here, and we will get to him in just a moment. Well, we are live at Principal Park, as we've talked about all day long. Looking forward to some day baseball. Watching Craig Kimbrell, he was warming up here a little bit earlier in front of us, just going through some stretching exercises, throwing the baseball around a little bit. And it's funny, you watch these guys game in and game out on television. You see them out there. You see Kimbrell with... You know, the the big elbow up in the air before he throws the pitch, and you watch him, and you watch these guys, and it happens to me quite often, especially when I come to a place like Principal Park where you can get really close to these guys. You'll see them on their rehab assignments, and baseball players, for the most part, you know, are big guys. You know, these are, are people that certainly are 6'2", six, 6'3", six, but just seeing Kimbrell and seeing the way that he was built in his upper body, just how thick he was up there. Until you get to see them in person, I think a lot of times, and I fall into this trap a lot, just forgetting how good these guys are and just how important that could be and seeing what it takes to be at this level. For the most part, it's 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 not just what we see in the past. It's not just those guys that are out there and yeah, they get by because they got a great arm or they can swing a stick a little bit and just the, the evolution of sports and even at the AAA level and, and Kimbrough right now going through his rehab and what we see. All right, Dylan Mott's now ready to go with us. Hey, Dylan, what is going on? Oh, not a lot, Trent. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, doing well. Can't complain. Got uh, a lot to get into here. A little tight on time. So let's dive right into it. Recruiting, big weekend happening there. And uh, a commitment, starting with the quarterback. Tell us a little bit about Decker's kid from Northwest Iowa that picked Iowa State over some big-time offers. Yeah, um, Decker's is Hunter Decker's um, three-star quarterback out of West Sioux High School in Hawarden, Iowa, um, out west. And his recruitment has been kind of interesting because it's one that really sped up um, this summer. He camped at Iowa State earlier in the month. Uh, got an offer there, and then had been on some visits. He went out to Purdue, went out to Indiana, um, and and Iowa State has always kind of um, you know been pushing for him uh, at least in the last couple weeks here, and um, he ended up pulling the trigger and committing yesterday. Um, he's the second quarterback in the class, which is kind of interesting. Um, he joins Aiden Bauman, um, the three star from Buffalo, Minnesota, who committed um, about this time last year, but. Um, some of the people I've talked to have had a lot of good things to say about Deckers. Um, he, he plays in a 
pass-heavy offense, which is kind of interesting, especially in Iowa high schools. Um, but they, the comparison that I've heard is to Joel Lanning, just in terms of his body type. Um, I think he's 6'3", 225, so he's, he's a big kid, but can really throw the ball around. So a nice pickup, and, and again, kind of reinforces quarterback depth with um, you know how much um, turnover happens there and how delicate of a position that is. Having a, a, a ton of guys there is not going to hurt you. You know, it's funny you look at him and how this is going to go with another quarterback commitment in this class. guy that we've talked about a lot, Aiden Bauman, his dad was an NFL quarterback kid from up in Minnesota. Two different kind of quarterbacks certainly here with these two guys, but you don't see this anymore very often. Usually we see at the Power 5 level, once a commitment is made from one quarterback, that's it, they're kind of done here. Was it Iowa State, you think, just looking at this and saying Deckers was too good to pass up an opportunity to to commit this kid, an Iowa kid, and to go after him? Yeah, I think that's that's a lot of it. It was more having to do with Deckers um, and maybe some of the opportunities he can give you as opposed to anything Bauman can't. Because, um, you know, the, the different people I've talked to have said that Iowa State is really high on the Bauman kid and thinks he can be, um, you know, almost a transformational kind of kid once he, once he gets into the program. But... Um, again, there's, there's skills and styles are a little bit different. Uh, Bauman's a big kid, but he's a little bit taller, um, and maybe more of a, a pocket, pocket passer. And I think he can get out and run a little bit too, but, um, certainly different than what, what Dockers gives you. But again, I think it's a position where, um, if you have the space and you feel like you need to kind of reinforce your depth a little bit, um, you know, just because it, it, that's such a tricky path to navigate with quarterbacks and, and only being able to play one guy and, and the, the, you know, injuries that can occur there and, you know, the kids transfer out. I mean, we saw that over the last year, uh, Zeb Nolan, Devin Moore transfer out. And then after this year, John Kohler, the graduate transfer will be gone. So it's just kind of, um, given that, given that, um, that position again, some, some reinforcement and some depth to just kind of, um, keep you in a good spot. Dylan Mons joining us from the Ames Tribune. More recruiting from the weekend and just earlier today. It was a defensive end from down in Kansas City. Johnny Wilson making his pledge to ISU. Sounds like Dylan, a guy that has been very high on the list for Iowa State. And to get him out of Kansas City, he had offers from Kansas and from Missouri. To do that, certainly impressive. A recruiting coup there for Coach Campbell and company. Yeah, absolutely. Johnny Wilson is a guy that they had been looking at for quite a while and um, you know, they always talk about the regional aspect and how important that is for recruiting. And they've really made a push, especially since Nate Shieldhouse has been on staff, to really go down and, and go after some of those kids and compete directly with Kansas and Kansas State and Missouri. And, um, you know, the, Wilson's other couple offers were from Kansas and Missouri. So being able to grab him, kind of keep um, keep that bubble of the six-hour radius, as Matt Campbell talks about, intact um, was another nice get. And um, gives them their 11th commitment in the 2020 class so far. But um, I know they're on commitment watch probably with some other guys, but getting those two um, at least at the end of the weekend and the start of this new week um, were pretty big and, and key positions as well. One more big recruiting weekend. Is that right, Dylan, before things will slow down as we uh, flip the calendar to July? Uh, the dead period actually begins today, I believe. So the, oh, okay. this, this past weekend was kind of the the big, uh, bring all these kids in and get some kids in on unofficial visits. Like uh, Deckers was on an unofficial, for example, but um, th- there were a handful of others that came in and visited officially and um, could hear some 
uh, announcements and some commitments maybe start to come through the next few days here. But it really does quiet down a little bit now and, um, you know, into July. And then uh, before you know it, conference media days will be here and it all ramps up again. So, um, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny how it's become a 365-day sport almost, kind of similar to what the NFL is, just given all the different aspects of, of recruiting and, and the game itself. It's, uh, yeah, we, when we get to that point, what's the schedule this year for the Big 12, how the media day is set up, two-day event again? Yeah, it's set up, um, I think it's uh, Monday the 15th and Tuesday the 16th um, of July, and it's a little bit different this year because Iowa State, who's, which has typically gone on the first day of the two-day event, is now going to go on the second day, so a uh, little bit extended stay for me in, in Arlington, <laughs> so kind of to... Um, try to pick out some new storylines, but it, it won't be won't be too bad. But yeah, it, it's set up like that. Five five teams will go on day one and five on day two, and kind of split down the middle there. So, who's your pick? Who's going to be there? Who's going to be part of the contingent of Cyclone play, players that are going to go along with Matt Campbell? Yeah, I've kind of kicked around some ideas with with, with some other people. I think um, you got to probably take Brock Purdy. Uh, I think uh, you know he's he's kind of the, the de facto guy that'll go and the, the most obvious one. I think Ray Lima, who went last year, is going to go again. Um, I, I think you could probably see a guy like Deshante Jones potentially go for the offense. Maybe um, maybe a lineman, maybe a Josh Kniffel uh, would go. And then uh, another defensive player, I think, would be Greg Eisworth. I, I think he's kind of the other yeah. one that could be close to a no-brainer, just given um, his importance and his position and then also um, he's a really well-spoken kid too, and uh, um, a Texas native, so it'd be kind of like a homecoming for him. But those are kind of some of the guys that I would have my eyes on. Good stuff, Dylan. We'll be talking a lot leading up to it. Dylan Monts from the Ames Tribune, AmesTrib.com/sports is where you can find all the work for him, Travis, and everybody else with the Ames Tribune. Dylan, thanks as always for joining us. Absolutely, Trent. Thank you, Dylan Monts here on Miller and Con, and coming to you live. From Principal Park, and a little shout-out, Andrew Downs out this week as his wife's doing the hard work having a baby. Baby is here, Virginia Janes Jones, the caller Ginny, named after her grandmother's born this morning at 736 pounds, 15 ounces. Mom and baby are doing great. Congratulations to the Downs family, to Judy, Andrew, and a little cute one there. Always great news and great to see that. We'll take the time out. Emery's going to pop back in here as we take you up until noon. Miller and Condon, we're here at Principal Park getting ready for day baseball. 12.08 with the first pitch. We're back with more. In Hawaii. With you one final time, Miller and Connick continues on 1460 KXNO. Murph and Andy comes your way here at 2 o'clock, followed by the Sports Fanatic. So, Emery, today, World Cup. Yep. U.S. women against Spain. It's the knockout round. Lose and go home. You're a uh, well-traveled young man. Thank you. You're a lot more worldly than I am. I, I try to be. You like to camp? You Maybe. Like horse I'm more... racing? I yes. Mean, I'm pretty much... Ball kind of guy. Right. Yep. Well, Baseball, there's a, football, basketball. There's a ball in soccer. There is. <laughs> that's true. So maybe that's why. I do get into soccer. Now, it's every four years on both the men's and women's side. Yep. I'll watch a qualifier from time to time with there isn't a whole lot going on. International plays just yeah. king. Yeah, you're right. 
you you don't have like a Premier League squad or anything no, like that. No, I'll watch some of the games just because it is just such a different vibe. And mm-hmm. on my sports bucket list, I'd love to just go to England and just tour a bunch of the stadiums yeah. there because the architecture is different and everything. But in terms of the actual gameplay. I get way more interested and invested. Whether it's the United States, not the United States, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. I just love the international flavor of World Cups yeah. and like the European Championships and the Copa Americas. Like those, those are like my jam. So I spent a summer in Italy. Ooh! During college, went over there, worked at a, a camp. So it was camp for U.S. military personnel. It was American kids in Italy, and got to go to a soccer match. It was when Naples, Napoli. Mm-hmm. Was uh, had an opportunity to move up. It was incredible. It was incredible. All they needed was a draw. They won. It was the environment was great. Now looking, nineteen years later, getting kind of old. <laughs> but uh, what that what that football club has developed into, it's pretty cool to see. Where they were just kind of a, a middling type of organization. Now they're one of the powers in Italian soccer. But yeah, just to see that. But also that summer, it was the summer that the Euros was happening. And that was incredible. So Italy played, I want to say they played France in the championship. It just happened to fall on 4th of July. Of course, we didn't have to work that day, the military people. But we opened up the camp that we lived in. We lived in these cabins inside of a volcano. Inside of a volcano. that hadn't. It's been dormant for 2,000 years. Oh, but, but it's still a volcano. It, it was, it's plush green, not going to explode. Don't have to worry about that. Mm. You know, all all the... The scientists had, had made it very clear. <laughs> There's a golf course inside of it. It was just what? an incredible place. Yeah. And we had, it was the one day a year that Italians or people that weren't part of the U.S. military or U.S. citizens were allowed inside of this camp. So they opened it up. They had a big screen. It was one of the craziest parties I've ever been a part of. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I just, I, I would love, to, I've never been out of the country at all to this point, but if I did go, I mean, there's obviously so many things. I mean, if you started writing them down, there'd be hundreds of things that you would want to do when you leave the country. But on a sports platform, for me, I, I'm i not a huge like club soccer guy. And I don't know if you got Netflix, if you watched Sunderland Till I Die. I have um, Netflix. I haven't seen it. you got to do that. Okay. that. That is a great docu-series, just really like documenting kind of how the inner workings of a, a European club works. Um, it's one of the... English clubs, they aren't in the Premier League right now, but it's very interesting. And just the structure, so many small little towns have teams that, in theory, if they are able to invest in them, get some good players, they can move up ladders and move into the big leagues. Um, I would That would just be like the one thing I would want to do, is just go see some matches in different arenas and different uh, stadiums and just get the different vibe at, at because each place kind of has its own character. Some of them are really small. Some of them, like Wembley Stadium, very big. Um, man, that that really is something. And when it comes to like a World Cup stage, yeah. even if the World Cup comes back to the United States soon, which it is uh, with the help of Canada and Mexico, uh, I would love to go to a match. And I don't. Even, it doesn't even need to be a United States match. I mean, yeah. I think there's going to be a good atmosphere no matter where you go. And I just love to to feel that party atmosphere with when you're out and about because 
much like we saw with the Raptors and all these little Jurassic parks bouncing around the mm-hmm. entire country of Canada. I mean, those you're going to have watch parties across the country, no matter who's playing, mm-hmm. because people are just celebrating the fact that the World Cup's going on. And the same thing when the Olympics happen. You know, I'd love to go to the Olympics as well and just kind of enjoy being in those different settings. Because as sports nuts, there's just nothing like just that exploration of, mm-hmm. you know, I might not be a, a massive team handball fan, but I think it'd be fun <laughs> to watch a team handball match in person, right? Or yeah. or swimming or diving or gymnastics, any of that stuff. Because the crowd and, and feeling their reaction to things, it, it's foreign to me. It, it is. So we got the second half coming up here in just a little bit with Spain and the U.S. We'll keep an eye on that. We got baseball coming up here at Principal Park in just a little bit. So, Emory, you going to stick around for a little bit? You going to watch some baseball before we get out of here today? You know, I would love to. Um, unfortunately, I have an appointment uh, that I have to get to in West Des Moines fairly quickly. So, yeah. I might be able to catch first pitch, maybe the first inning, but I'll be bouncing shortly thereafter. But you know me. I mean, yeah. I'm a, a baseball holic, and if I had, if it was my choice, I'd be. Hanging out all afternoon at Principal Park. <laughs> Not a play, bad place to be. We had Randy Wayhofer on earlier today. Always good talking with him with the I-Cubs. A lot of great things going on there as uh, they continue their homestand. And today, uh, 12.08 first pitch coming up right around the corner. Major League Baseball today. My twins are off. No game for them. Lighter schedule on a Monday. Anything catching your eye? What When you get home tonight, if you're looking for some sports on the TV, is there anything at all? That's really grabbing you there. Like I said, it, it's Cubs are playing tonight, seven oh five against the Braves. That's probably where my attention's going to be. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be paying some level of attention to the NBA awards tonight. Oh yeah, because I forgot about you know, that. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, like I understand why they are going completely out of their way to make a show out of this. The NHL has an awards show. Uh, they used to just make announcements throughout the playoffs of who won each award just kind of on like a day-to-day basis and now they turn it into this big old show and I don't really mind that too much um obviously the World Cup stuff is going to be over by the time that we we get to that point so uh in terms of Major League Baseball my White Sox are on the road to take on the Red Sox which oh yeah you know we're playing very inconsistent baseball now we kind of went on a little run we're hovering around 500 like we have been the last month or so and it's just a matter of can we get over that hump and I don't think against the Red Sox it's that's what's going to happen you know like that's not the team I was hoping to play but if we can win two or three games here uh you know if we can find a way to to put together a little streak against some of the teams that we're playing that'd be just it put me over the moon for a team that doesn't have a ton of expectations but other than that like you said the Cubs Braves certainly the headliner um Dodgers have been playing such good baseball mm-hmm. I mean they are fun to watch, so they're playing the Diamondbacks, who are in a little bit of a skid right now. But um, good pitching matchup, though Kershaw against Granke. Yeah, but but here's the thing: if you're not checking Dodgers baseball out and getting acquainted with even their younger guys, mm-hmm. I mean, we knew that they had such a good farm system, even though they were a, a talented team and they invested a ton of money into the major league product. But now seeing a lot of these guys come up, they had three different rookies hit walk off home runs <laughs> over the weekend to beat Colorado. In three different games in a row, it, it's it it boggles the mind uh, how clutch this team is, and every young kid that they plug into the lineup, they find a way to produce at a high level. So, while if you're trying to check out baseball, certainly the Braves and Cubs is the headliner. I mean, if you're not paying attention to what the LA Dodgers are doing, you're missing out. And like you said, Grinky and Kershaw tonight, this should be a fun matchup. Feels like Kershaw 
he's back. He's back to be. Last year was a step back from him. At least the, just the ridiculous nature that he is. I mean, a future Hall of Famer. Yeah. And some years. I mean, Grinky had his first year in Arizona. Grinky was mm-hmm. fairly, I mean, you would say average or even a little below average, especially when you're considering what you expect from him. But this year, he's back to, he too is certainly all-star caliber. I don't know, man. It, it That's the interesting thing about this time of the year is you try to see these guys kind of see what kind of groove they're getting into. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's interesting to see how age and like you Darvish. I mean, remember when you Darvish was dealt to the Dodgers a couple of years ago for their playoff run yeah. uh, to the World Series in 2017? Everybody's just like, man, you Darvish is this huge name to grab. And then after the Cubs sign him, he's been hurt. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been able to perform very well. Uh, hasn't gotten a lot of support from either his defense or his his batting order when he goes out there. And it just seems like a guy fell off a cliff. Almost immediately. Yeah. That's the interesting thing about the the good ones and the great ones. You know, the great ones can find a way to stick around for longer, like the Maddoxes and the Randy Johnsons. The the good ones, while they might have really good three or four year spans, mm-hmm. they may not be able to fight off Father Time and Mother Nature as as well as the great ones can. We're just about to the halfway point of the season, just a couple of days shy, depending on teams and schedules. I think some. Teams are still like five games short of it. A couple are just two away. But just about to that midway point, trade deadline is just over a month away. Uh, We've talked about that before, just how different that's going to be this year. The first year of the implementation without having uh, the waiver deadline throughout August. So how different is it going to be? Teams selling early. You know, as a Twins fan, two years ago, they went out, bought a piece. No, that was last year. Bought a piece, then sold a piece. Yep. Well, they they were kind of in purgatory, they right? They were, yeah. They didn't know what, what they wanted to do, and they, they did pretty all right, I think, reversing course quickly enough to make sure that they got they, they went the right direction. Yeah. Because the catastrophic thing to do is to buy in and then not make it. Yeah. And so they did a good job of just corralling something back for the pieces that they thought that they were investing into to be a winner and obviously it's put him in a good spot for this year now that's the interesting thing like you said do you sell a little bit earlier knowing that there's going to be last minute buyers that are going to be trying to figure out what their needs are on july 30th and give themselves 24 hours to make a deal Um, if you're a seller do you want to put all of your potential big time major league chips on the table to get a boatload of prospects i'm not sure how it's going to work it's a very compelling uh situation because so many teams were able to ah we'll figure it out in august and i'm really glad that it really does solve a lot of the murkiness of the trade deadline when you're talking about this because it it really was well yeah the trade deadline at the end of july is really interesting and a lot of stuff usually happens but we know a couple of huge moves will get made at the end of august as well so we are not done figuring out who's moving teams by the end of this season and who's going to help who win a world series so it's i i think it's going to be fun it's going to be real fun to see how teams react to that and how quickly teams start moving in in either direction here sure. in july so, uh, with all that, I got something a little bit different on the docket for tonight. What do you got going on? I'm going to be calling high school baseball Ooh, this yeah. evening. And a real good one, top 10 matchup up in Ankeny. Centennial will be hosting Johnston. Johnston still number one. Finally took a loss a couple of weeks ago to Urbandale and took another loss last week to Ankeny. A couple of really good games against the Hawks. This time it will be the Jaguars. You know, I really like the Centennial team coming into the year. 
year ago, they kind of took some lumps, played a lot of sophomores and juniors, but those guys have taken the step forward this year. Johnson still, in my mind, is the best team in the state, top to bottom. They have the most depth, both in the pitching and just up and down their lineup and what they can do there. Western Dubuque, who we saw last year at the state tournament, couple of big high-level D1 players on their team, including their catcher who is committed to Old Miss. He committed as a sophomore to play in the SEC. That ain't bad. Yeah, really, really good. You know, those are, I think, the top two teams. Southeast Polk really good again. But this is going to be my first look at the Dragons uh, on the field. Been able to see a couple of highlights, talk to a lot of different people uh, at different games that I've been at this year. But had them scheduled for game one, and the weather came. It's been a, a rough summer now. And late we, spring with the weather, it, like today especially, you know, yeah. it it seems like I know there's like scattered showers, um, no thunderstorms are expected, so it might get a little drizzly out there. But now I am being told by our meteorologist friends that yes. later this week we are going to feel summer weather, which will be a nice refreshing <laughs> feeling after kind of. Struggling through an extended springtime. I mean, you we've had that. Some... You were going to go to Adventureland for the podcast twice, two different times. That got rained out, and, and just got. I you mean, got one day on was one, one day it was like forty degrees when we were trying to go to Adventureland. Yeah, this weekend, I'm. I don't mind the fact that it's supposed to be like ninety degrees this weekend because, like you said, for the Triwa podcast, Alex Mack from Alt One Hundred Six Three and I were going camping with mm-hmm. some of our friends as part of the podcast, just exploring Backbone State Park in Northeast Iowa. And we're excited to do that, but I'm really relieved that wetness isn't going to be a factor. Sure. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. <laughs> please, Mother Nature, just give us this weekend. Please. What town is Backbone close to? I'm from um, North Ma- Iowa. Maquoketa, I think. Oh, okay. That, that's a little more. I would consider that more eastern Iowa than northeast. Northeast is Decorah, Calmer. Cresco. That's so. Is, is is Dubuque East or that's East? I consider you don't that call East. that Northeast. I don't now. See, as a Southeast Iowa boy, it's see, all it's right Northeast. The, well, yeah, true. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, if you want to break it down as strictly quadrants, where you know, you're on the you, side, you're, you're, of you're like compass director, and you just boom, 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 boom. Put it that way. I, as somebody from that area, though, you don't you consider don't, that more just Eastern. You don't like it. You you want you want your towns to be Northeast that's, Iowa. Decorah's Northeast Iowa. That way up there. Okay. All right. Eastern Iowa. Uh, you're you're a more authority on this than I am, so I'm going to I, Eastern Iowa. You're going to Eastern Iowa. Eastern <laughs> Iowa. Because well, because I've heard you talk about. It. I listen to the Triowa podcast, and I'm like, Backbone, where is that? I, I kept thinking, Oh, Makokata. No, that's not Northeast Iowa. Makokata is like an hour and a half away from Northeast I'm, Iowa. What? I, I need to see where this line is. You need to show me on a map where the line that is. Out. We'll, we'll figure that out sometime. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Anytime, been, my man. Been a lot of fun. Uh, tomorrow, Ross Peterson will be in for Ken. He'll be back on Thursday as he has to, quote unquote, work in Vegas. Wish I had to work in Vegas. Must be nice. Yeah, it's rough. I wouldn't mind it. He was at the Stones concert on Friday at Soldier Field. Yeah. He's living his best Hey, I life. saw Mick Jagger. He was looking in peak form. Yeah. He's He's like 81 years old. Grooving, doing his thing. And uh, Ken will be back with us on Thursday. Thanks to the Iowa Cubs having us out here today. Been a great time. First pitch, 12.08 as the Iowa Cubs continue on their homestand. Thanks to everybody out there for listening in. we got Murph and Andy coming your way at 2 o'clock. 4 o'clock, it'll be the Sports Fanatics. We'll start it again tomorrow, bright and early, 6 a.m. with the Morning Rush. Good day, everybody.